welcome to the Youth Development Professionals Guidebook. I'm your host, Michael Garcia. And I'm your co-host, Al Ferreira. Thanks for joining us. Let's get started. Hi, everybody. It's Michael Garcia and Al Ferreira. We're so excited. We are your show today. It's Michael and Al talking about the origins of the Youth Development Professionals Guidebook podcast. Uh, I wanna, we're going to go through some information. We're going to talk about where this all came from. And then we're going to talk about how we're going to help solve some of these challenges that we saw as younger uh, program directors inside of mainly the YMCA movement. But what I'm seeing a lot, and Al definitely jump in, in other organizations as well. Um, you know, we, we spend a lot of time on what we say we want our professional development to be. But when you're in the program, making sure you have enough staff, making sure you have the enrollment, making sure the regulations are up to snuff and everything's I's dotted, T's crossed, some things kind of slip to the side. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that today. And uh, so I, I really believe that uh, some of the soft skills get lost completely uh, and, and people need to, to, to know that the soft skills are really crucial uh, in any kind of leadership uh, position. So uh, yeah, let's, let, let's go. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I realized that uh, uh, when we started the podcast in the middle of the pandemic, uh, we talked about, you know, what would our, uh, you know, 56-year-old uh, self say to our 20-year-old self? And, uh, you know, what, what would we look back on as, as growth? And we really have never done that with ourselves because we've been focusing so much on uh, the different uh, guests that we have who have been absolutely amazing uh, and telling us about how they are making it through and what they uh, uh, predict for the, themselves as leaders in uh, youth development. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the, when I kind of was thinking about this podcast and should we and shouldn't we and what it's going to look like, one of the stories that kind of kept popping in my head was I am a 22, 21, 22 year old brand new program director, uh, started as the camp director just before camp started, April, late April, early May, got handed the budget, got handed most of the staff. We went through the summer. It was a good summer. A lot of changes need to happen, but it was a good summer. And sure enough, September, we wrapped up camp. We closed everything down. And the first week in October, my boss comes up with, and so we're going to date ourselves here, Al. Remember the old green and white striped sheets with the with the holes on the side it was like a dot matrix when it printed out it was like like remember those uh, absolutely absolutely i think we we talked about this during uh weston's podcast yes. a few weeks ago as well yes. uh but uh yeah those yeah. those are amazing um uh, and that noise is uh, it gives me shivers just yeah. thinking about it so <laughs> yeah and there was a smell to the paper but i, I digress but yeah, yeah. Uh, but I remember them handing me this, this accordion folded stack of paper and my boss saying to me, okay, so you're going to make next year's budget that starts January 1st. So what I want you to do is in pencil, 
every single line item, I want you to increase all the income lines by 8% and increase all the expense lines by 3%. That was my directions. I don't, I don't know what that meant. I, it was, it's funny. I went to a, another younger, older than me, but young program director. And I said, what's the income lines and what's the expense lines? And you know, his response was, Oh, everything above this line is income. Everything below is expense. Yeah, I, I, I remember the day I, I figured out that revenue and income were the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, they are? Oh. <laughs> yes, yes, they are. Oops. Um, so, uh, yeah. <laughs> and then don't talk to me about net. We didn't like had no clue what that is, but I just had to do all those lines. And I remember breaking out a calculator and, you know, typing in and what's 3% of this and what's 8% on this and going all the way across and handing it in. And then the next fall, having a conversation saying, hey, congratulations, you hit your budget. What we want you to do is increase <laughs> enrollment by 8% and we want you to only increase expense by 2%. Go ahead. And that was my first year of budgeting. And I, in my first 10 years of being a professional staff, hated the budget. It was my nemesis because I didn't understand what it meant. I didn't understand any of the, this word that didn't exist in my head at that time called backup. How many, what's an FTE, full-time equivalent? What are, what's, what's a net? I wasn't fishing. I was doing a budget, right? So right. like all of these things just were put upon me. And I, of course, when I had the courage to ask, right, I got the answers, but I didn't always have the courage to ask. And a lot of our younger staff who may be listening to this, you know, don't have that courage yet because they're, they're supposed to know. They're the program director. They're the, the camp director, the after-school director. What do you want to call your, your title? You're supposed to know. And it took me a long time to really conceptualize and understand budget to the point, again, 45-year-old Michael, I love budget season. I get excited to do those budget documents. <laughs> I know I'm a little weird and I'll admit there's, that. There's definitely much. something wrong with you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and that's not the only thing that's wrong, but uh, I love it because I had a great mentor, Pam Lucas, who said to me, don't think of it as just numbers. Think of it as children. Think of it as opportunities to develop and grow your programs. If you want a new tent next year, guess what? You have to find out how much that tent costs. You have to find out if you have to get it installed or can we do it ourselves? What is the cost to that? And if we have to do it ourselves, how much you're going to pay the staff who are going to come in on a Saturday and how much pizza you're going to buy them and all that stuff. And what does that look like? And I don't think today, I'll, my experience when I was the executive director of, a, of an organization I found a lot of my staff were literally doing 8% increase and 3% expense increase. And that was it. And they didn't understand the cost of pool noodles. They just knew that they spent that much money last year and they got to spend more next year because prices are going up. And so I, I feel that we do a big disservice when it comes to developing staff in 
like you said before, soft skills, but also hard skills. This is something that you, you got to sit Budgets down. are a hard skill. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and, yeah. and, and translating that into campers and, and what they use or, or children that you're serving in, in whatever field you are in, in youth development, uh, it, it, it's huge. It's a huge piece of it. I had Howard Pease was, was my mentor in that, uh, who, uh, you know, taught me how to, how to read a, a balance sheet. I had no idea, you know, what, uh, what that was like as well. Uh, and, and came along at the right time for me. So, 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 uh, you know, your, your, uh, 46-year-old self telling that 22-year-old, what, what's, what's the takeaway other than learn how to do a budget that way? <laughs> yeah, that's the easy one, right? Just, you know, and, and different generations, you know, jump on YouTube and you'll figure it out, right? I mean, that's what that's there for. But I think the, the, the real driving point is to gather the courage to ask, right? And ask with intention and, you know, I like the, I've heard different numbers to this. The one I use is five, five questions. So, you know, you ask that question, but then you ask a follow-up and a follow-up and a follow-up and a follow-up and it's got to be five. Now I've heard people say 10, I've heard people say three, whatever number you pick and you feel comfortable with, but what's that dive deeper to be able to get the results? Because I thinking back, if I went to the CFO at that YMCA when I was 22 and said, can you explain this to me? I, I feel, and kind of knowing him, he probably would have said, yeah, come in my office, sit down, let's go through it. This is what this means. This is what, this is how many kids this is. Let's talk about what that is and, and where that goes. But I didn't have the courage as a young professional to ask. And I see that, I see that now with my summer camp, leadership staff. I see that now with my camp counselors at my summer program running this summer is, well, we can figure it out instead of saying, I got a question or coming and saying, is this the right answer? And, and I think that's something that we as older people push on to our staff and say, well, this is your job. We went through staff training. You should know this instead of saying, hey, maybe I failed as your supervisor to explain this correctly or in enough detail because I had to explain 35,000 things and I this one thing kind of fell through the cracks a little bit. So let's go through it in a little more detail. So I think for me is just making sure, you know, the 45-year-old guy here, when you're 20, 21, 22, and you're a first-time teacher, a first-time head teacher in a program, a, a, a a head counselor, unit leader, whatever your title is, uh, ask when you said, Hey, you know, you have $800 to spend on this activity for the entire summer. What does that look like? Where did your boss come up with that number? And don't be afraid to kind of say, but I need more, or I don't need that much. And be open and honest with those communications. I think that's the big part from, from that one kind of memory of mine is to say, I didn't do my job as much as my supervisor, I feel, didn't do their job explaining it to me. I didn't do my job requiring that explanation to be given to me. 
Well, uh, Michael, I, you know, asking for help, that's a soft skill that uh, uh, we often overlook. And uh, it really makes sense to do that in, in, in so many, so many different ways, it, uh, you know, and uh, yeah, if, if there was a, a, an outdoor education experiential activity where you can ask for help, and there is, there's a few of them, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's fascinating that we don't instill that as part of when we promote somebody, when we bring somebody in into that leadership, uh, uh, the, into that leadership position. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. And, uh, and I'm grateful uh, for, for the story. So uh, so, so, so here's what I know, uh, you know, as, as a leadership development professional, I've worked with just over 53,000 kids. Uh, those experiences have been outdoor programs helping influence their skills through, you know, amazing camp and leadership opportunities. Uh, uh, you know, and, and this may seem unrelated, but I'll get to my point. My, my family and I moved to the United States when I was four years old. And, and a couple of years ago, in celebration of, the, of our 50th anniversary living here, uh, I spent the year kind of reflecting on individuals and lessons uh, that have made me who I am as a leader. Um, and, and I'd like to share a lesson uh, about two of the, 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 the really great mentors of, and, and, and particularly one of those years. So um, I know I've shared this before, but here's what I believe. Um, small moments often teach you life's greatest lessons. And um, I, I know I've quoted Benjamin Disarelli before, who was the British prime minister during Queen Victoria's reign. And, you know, the greatest good you can do for another is not just to share your riches, but to reveal to him his own. So in 1983, I'm an 18-year-old. I'm a, a cabin leader at a local camp in Southern California. And it was during one of those weeks that I discovered who I was to become. Uh, one evening, uh, my, my junior leader, Mike, uh, and myself, uh, we were taking, we had a scheduled break. It, it was raining and it was a bit cold. So we went down to the Kaibo to stay warm and dry. Um, now, now Kaibo is in, in that part of the country is a, is a restroom and shower facility. Uh, so in the shower area, there's some benches that you can actually just sit. And, and uh, so we sat there and to try to stay warm and just talk. So it, at one point in time, the, the, the camp director, Ron Perry, uh, comes in to say hello. Now, Ron's this big, gregarious guy who's one of those people that everyone just wanted to be around. Uh, he was tall with lots of curly hair, and, and he kind of he, he, he spoke in this sing-song, mesmerizing way. Um, I, I, I'm sure everyone's known somebody like that. Uh, so we're in the Kaibo. I, I didn't mention it. So Kaibo, uh, besides, it's, it's, it's a radio station in Barstow, California, but Kaibo is K-Y-B-O. Uh, at camp, it, it stands for keep your bowels open. <laughs> so, Such you know, a camp it, thing right there. It, isn't it though? I mean, I, I, I've collected uh, bathroom names over the, uh, Kaibo is probably one of the most unique ones in that camp. That's what it was called. You know, and when you're at camp, it's a really important place uh, to know where to go. Um, it's always an important place to know where to go. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so we're in this Kaibo, in walks Ron, and he starts asking us questions and just kind of checking in on how our session's going. You know, after a few minutes, he, 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 you know, he asked, so how long is your break? And I told him uh, we had to get back to our cabin now. So, and, and this is where it got really interesting. Out of nowhere, uh, so again, big, huge guy, he pulls these two soda bottles out of the, his back pocket. 
and says, take 20 more minutes, I'll go watch your cabin for you. So he hands us the sarsaparilla and walks out. Wait a second, sarsaparilla? Sarsaparilla, it's, it's, it's like root beer. Uh, I thought you were born in the 20s. No, no, no it was actually, okay. that's, it, it was something <laughs> that he kept in, this was the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's something he kept in camp and, and uh, liked to reward people with. So anyway, I, I, he hands us the, the, the soda and walks out, or pop, oh, I forgot, we got to say pop too. We are uh, in Western New York. <laughs> we are, yeah. Uh, so he hands us the pop and I turn to Mike and says, someday I want his job. I, I learned four things that day, and later I found out from, from my mentor, John Maxwell, you know, I'm always quoting John, that those, those were simply laws of leadership. You see, Ron had this great moment of leadership with me. His, his influence sent me down this road, and that impact was, was just so genuinely simple. By the time I was 25, Michael, I was the director at that camp. His moment of serving us, serving others, in that case, Mike and myself, he was truly adding value to what we were doing. And since then, I've had the opportunity to influence the lives of so many at, you know, four different YMCA camps, a 4-H camp, a, a boys and girls club camp, and several scout camps, as well as, you know, through, through uh, my other work with the, the John Maxwell company as well. So, Back in that Kaibo, in that moment, uh, it, it, it was really what Ron, it wasn't really what Ron said. It was how he made me feel that had a lasting impact. And everything I've done for the last 40 summers has been related to that. He connected with me just on an emotional level. I totally bought into him as a leader and then took on that mission and vision that he set. He gave me a reason to follow him. So as a youth and leadership development professional, I've lived to demonstrate that lesson every day. You see, you know, you know, campers and staff are young people. They find riches in themselves through the activities that build and nurture self-esteem, personal growth, positive risk-taking. You know, my, my vision now, and as I think back on that, is, uh, you know, and I go to John's law of intuition. So what I would have, you know, wish I had done more of, and, law, and, and John's law is uh, leaders evaluate everything with a leadership bias. Uh, not everyone is intuitive in the area of leadership, but everyone possesses intuition and everyone is intuitive in their area of strength. I wish I can tell myself then, trust your intuition, because every single time, I, you know, I think back on that moment and knowing what I knew then, that if I had trusted more in my intuition, I would have, I would have been further along than, than anything else. So I, I'm eternally grateful to Ron and John, of course, and, and so many others. So, um, you know, I, I, I have the greatest job in the world, yeah. and that's serving others. Yeah. I think, Al, you hit the nail on the head as I'm, you know, I th- telling my 20-year-old self you know, I, I was hired for this. They saw something in this and it go back to mine. It wasn't because I could manage a budget, right? They saw something in me. And I think accepting that, that passion in everything I do more and, and being more at the forefront of that is really important. And, you know, 
Brene Brown says it. It's the new kind of termish, but it's something definitely there is being more vulnerable, right? Being putting yourself out there to say, I'm here. And my, uh, my father says this all the time. If you're going to run into a brick wall, I want to see the mark on the wall because that's how you're going to learn. And, and I think young staff, older staff, even staff our age, Al, are afraid to, to, to go full force into that wall. And, you know, we need to make sure that you have a safe place to, to have a measured mistake. So, um, Al, that was great. Thanks for sharing that. We're going to take a quick commercial break and Al and I'll be right back. If you're interested in having your voice heard on this podcast, go to youthdevelopmentpro.com and send us an email. Well, welcome back. We're here. Uh, Michael and I are our own guests this session, and we're talking about uh, what we would say to our 20-year-old selves. Michael was just sharing about uh, a story he, he uh, heard from his dad about, you know, uh, when you run into the wall, I want to see the imprint. I, it, it reminds me of a, a camp story uh, that I've heard and told so many times uh, about, uh, you know, these two guys walking in the woods and they come along and, and they find this wall uh, and it, you know, they look to their left and as far as they can see in one direction, uh, the wall just extends and extends and extends. They look to their right and the walls, you know, goes on and on and on. And um, one of them says, well, what do you want to do? You want to go back? And, and uh, the other guy, he, he literally he takes his hat off throws it over the wall and says, nope, we're going to go forward. So, you know, the analogy of, of moving forward, regardless of what obstacle that you might have in your life, uh, not only, you know, uh, seeing the imprint on the wall, but uh, uh, oftentimes I think, you know, uh, leaders at any stage of their lives are, are afraid to, to commit to going forward. And, and feeling like they're in the status quo, that, that they're in, the, in that zone where they can just coast for a while uh, is, is very attractive. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I'd like to think that uh, when you take the risks, the, the more risks you take, uh, the more opportunities you have to be successful. Yeah. I, I'm going to change that a little bit. The more measured risk. So let me, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to tell you a big mistake I did when I was young and, and it was, I, I chalk it up to youth and, and it, it's, it's something I actually still talk about today because it made that much of an impact on my life. But at the time, I don't think it did. Right. So there was a, there was a camper. His name was Joey. Um, actually wasn't his name, but I used the name Joey just to make sure everybody understands. But Joey was um, that kid at camp. Everybody knew him. Joey wasn't in a group, right, in my group or in my responsibility area, but everybody knew Joey. And when Joey wasn't at camp for a day, like the whole camp felt different. You know, we all had that kid in our programs and at camp or childcare, preschool or after school or whatever. But one day Joey came up to me and Mr. Michael, Hey, um, tomorrow's my last day at camp. And I'm like, Joey, I know you're registered for the whole summer. You know, it, I'll talk to your mom when she picks you up today. And so Joey's mom came up to me and, and said, Oh, you know, I, Joey said to me that, you know, it's his last day. And she's like, yeah, she's like, we had to pull him from the rest of the summer. Um, 
you know, your camp director is very sweet to give us our, our refunds back and everything. We just can't afford the rest of the summer. And so me being 18 years old and knowing everything in the world and right. And knowing yeah. we're going to use an old, old YMCA term here, giving money to the, the campership fund, right. Back in the day, I know I gave my $2 a paycheck to the campership fund for the 10 weeks of camp. And if everybody at my camp did that, we could definitely afford to send Joey to camp. So as the 18 year old senior counselor, which meant I was a, like a junior unit leader. I was in charge of like three of the older kids groups. I looked at Joey's mom dead in the face and said, Hey, we have this campership fund. Don't worry about it. Joey can come to the rest of the summer. It's all paid for. Yeah. That worked out how, well. How, how, how'd that work out for you? Well, I worked the rest of the summer for free to basically pull the foot out of my mouth. And it was horrible because I didn't get paid. It was one of the most amazing experiences of my life. When I was, oh goodness, it must have been 10, 12 years later. I got a wedding invitation from Joseph and his wife or to be wife to go to this wedding that I was like, who is this kid who I don't know this person. They must've sent it to the wrong person. And so I sent the little return reply card. Oh, no, thank you. Best of luck. I didn't know who it was. And then he called me at another one. He tracked me to two wise. He tracked me down and called me and said, Hey, you have to be at my wedding. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I don't remember you. And he goes, Mr. Michael, it's, and he used his real name. It's Joey. And I'm like, Oh my goodness. Congratulations. You're getting married. He's like, you need to be at my wedding. I need you there. And I said, okay, well, I'll stop by, right? And I'll go to the wedding. I wasn't going to the reception, but I'll go to the wedding. And so I walk in. I didn't recognize anybody, kind of sat in the back. I actually picked the bride side by accident. So <laughs> as everybody's, right? Because I don't know. And I, as we were going in the receiving line, which a receiving line at a, at a, at a wedding is always the most, especially if you only know like one, the groom or the bride, you, you know, you walk up and you're like, Oh, congratulations to the bridesmaids and the groomsmen, but you don't know why you're congratulating them, you know, all the way through. And you go up and I s looked at this man. Now, Al, I'm five, six and a little bit. Joey was like six, three. He was oh just a, big bear of a man and he looked at me and he hugged me so hard it hurt and picked me up off my feet and gave me a kiss on the cheek and said thank you for just coming i'm so excited so a little side story is when joey got in trouble back in the day he needed to get focused so he kind of hung out with some of the leadership staff and so back in the day and we don't do this anymore but back in the day Joey, we would say, Joey, put your finger in my pocket. And so he would hold on and we would walk around and do our rounds and go do stuff. And Joey would be in our pocket. And so at the reception line, he's like, you're coming to the reception, right? And I go, no, no, I have to go. You know, 
my wife's at home and my, you know, my son, he's a new baby and trying to get out of it. And so I said hello to his wife and he's like, this is Mr. Michael. And she's like, oh, you're Mr. Michael. And I took two steps away. And sure enough, that little punk stuck his finger in my pocket and wouldn't let me go. <laughs> I stood out. I stood next to Joey in the reception line and he introduced me as Mr. Michael from his camp as a kid because he got to go to camp because the reason he couldn't go to camp, his mom didn't want to share with me, but his dad had passed away and mom is trying to became a single mom and couldn't afford camp. And I paid for camp for him that summer. And I made an impact on him by throwing that pebble into the pond and Maybe I saw a little ripple the next year or two, but on him, it was like a monsoon and it was a big opportunity in his life and it changed him. And so as an 18, 19 year old kid, we don't know to look at these stories, but I'm going to challenge you. If you're, if you're that age and you're 20, 21, 22, 23, and you're just getting into this job, take the time to get to know and look for those opportunities you're throwing in, in, in the pond of these children's lives, because they're out there and it may be a small little ripple for you, but it is a monstrous tsunami that's coming for some of these kids. And that's why we do it. And that's why I'm still doing it. Like I keep trying to reproduce that. I keep trying to do that every year. How can I help? And again, I'm not paying for a child summer out of my pocket anymore because I have a little more uh, uh, depth in my world of, of understanding of budgets. But that was a mistake that I made that turned out to change and shape my life. And my camp director still talks about that same summer from his perspective on what we did. And so I, I just think it's great to learn from a huge mistake that you did because it was bad. I mean, I got chewed up and down, <laughs> right? I got, I mean, as you would, as I would do to my staff and have those, those uncomfortable conversations. But I learned, and I think a lot of staff will shut down a little bit and, and make me apprehensive. And that made me go further. That made me attack more. So that's kind of my other, why I want to do this. I want to be able to tell these stories. I want people to tell us stories when it comes to it, because I want to be able to, to hear that we're not all perfect and nobody's perfect in any way, shape or form. And if you say you are, that's you not being perfect. Right. So I, I want, I want to hear this and I want to get our voices out there from other professionals in the field to say, this is where I am. This is what I did. This is how it happened. This is what I'm doing. And you can come along on this journey too, because like you said, and I say it too, I get the best job in the world. You know, I get the best job in the world. I get paid to play with kids, right? I get paid to inspire youth. I get paid to make young teens and staff in their 20s into better people. And that's what we're here for. That's what it's about. It's not collecting a paycheck. Because if you're here to collect a paycheck and you're working with youth, guess what? <laughs> this is not the job to make a million dollars out of, right? But this is a job to make a million touchable and reachable moments to be able to make an impact. And your 53,000 children, I've never done that math, but man, between us, it's got to be an easy 100,000 children that we've worked with over the years. And, and I think 
I'd love to sit back in 10 more years from now, Al, and be like 200,000. Have a nice day. There you go. There you go. What a great story too, to, to really do that. I know we need to take another break and then we're going to be back and we're going to wrap up what we're doing today. Thanks so much to our sponsors, Expert Online Training. Al, you've used Expert Online Training. Tell us about it. I have. I've been a past user and, and, and a big fan of expert online training. I've used them for our first year staff. I've used them uh, for returning leaders. I've used them for our senior leadership uh, or what uh, some people call the, the directing team and I call the support staff. Uh, the different topics and presenters that they have really are worthwhile in tailoring training to your specific camp teams in so many different ways. It's a great program. My camp is using expert online training this summer. So if you're interested in expert online training, go to expertonlinetraining.com and check them out. All right. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for staying with us. Uh, normally, we do a wrap up. But since the whole show has kind of been a wrap up of, of what we've been talking about so far on all these episodes, Al, tell us a little something. Where, where are you at right now? Well, I, you know, I loved your, your closing story in the last segment uh, because it really emphasizes what I've always called uh, the transaction versus transformational experience of people. Uh, you literally created, took a risk uh, at that transaction of offering that campership to, to little Joey and, uh, and, and, and it transformed his life as well as your own. Uh, and I think, it, you know, that's another piece that I would tell my 20-year-old self is, uh, you know, live for the transformational moments, not necessarily the transactional ones. It's just, uh, it, it, it's just a great takeaway. Yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on the head, right? That, that works for me to be able to just look back and, and, and be honest with yourself right now. I think that's what we talked about the whole time, right? All the stories we've been bouncing back is just being honest with yourself at the time in the moment, as honest as you can. And, and the, and the Joey story, I wasn't honest with myself at the 18, 19 year old world. I was, I was pissed. I was like, how dare he? We, I gave you money for Joey to go to camp. Why aren't you letting Joey go to camp? And I didn't know about the other 35, 40 kids who were on school on scholarship as well. Right. So not knowing that, but like, I understand it now and I get it. And I, and I hold that, that camp director hot in high regards for not just kicking me to the curb and firing me. So, um, so right now what we're going to do is we're going to actually do a little reach out to you. Um, we need your help. We, we need some additional stories and we'd love to share your experiences from your uh, current stage in leadership and what you may have told your 20-year-old self. We're looking for those and we'd like to share more uh, throughout our uh, podcast and we think that you can be a big part of that. Whether you've just started uh, in leadership over the last few years or you're a 20, 25 or 40 year uh, professional, we'd love to hear uh, the youth development leadership stories that you uh, think uh, young people would, would learn from. Yeah, and, and on the, if you're brand new, what do you wanna know? 
right? Like tell us, call and say, Hey, I would love to hear about this. Do you have someone who can talk about this? We promise it's not going to be the Alan Michael show, right? We're, we're here to get other professionals in the field and, and talk about that. We we're putting together some shows that will be coming out and promoted on our Instagram and, and Facebook pages. We're going to be asking for, um, some cool innovative things to get some us through some podcasts. We're excited about um, the next show. We're going to talk to a high school principal who's starting school uh, in a few weeks and during COVID and opening back up and how his school is managing that. So we're really trying to stay relevant with what's going on. So please, you know, reach out. Uh, you can email me directly. It's Michael at youthdevelopmentpro.com or you can go on youthdevelopmentpro.com and um, there's a, a request for a meeting uh, right down at the bottom on the homepage. So you can uh, just, we could chit chat and go through some stuff. And uh, Al, you know, both Al and I both run consulting businesses on top of our summer program. So Al, why don't you talk a little bit about what you're doing uh, in the Al world? Uh, well, uh, you know, there's a lot of folks out there looking for jobs right now. And one of the things that I've been helping uh, people through is r really prepping the interview skills and how to answer questions. You know, one of the uh, things that I discovered early on is that, uh, uh, you know, we ask these what if questions and, uh, you know, behavior based questions are the best indicators of how people will behave in the future. And I help young people learn how to do that. Uh, the, the other thing that uh, is coming up uh, for me is um, uh, I'm becoming certified in uh, diversity and inclusion training, uh, which is kind of an important topic right now. And so uh, I'm going to be um, uh, completing that sometime in the mid-September and uh, be looking to help uh, nonprofits and maybe camps uh, do some diversity and inclusion training in their world. Awesome. Yeah, that's great. Um, I just got certified. So I'm super excited. We'll be starting in the fall. I can teach youth mental health first aid uh, completely online now. It's all digital. Uh, so, you know, with COVID-19 and everything that's happening, it's still an important topic to talk about. But now I'm a youth mental health first aid instructor uh, that can be done via Zoom. Uh, a lot of it's self-study and then we do a wrap up with Zoom. So if you're interested in that for your programs, give me a call, give me an email. Uh, we'd love to help you out. And um, I'm, I'm probably a quarter of the way through my first book. So I'm um, not reading it, writing it. Uh, so we'll, uh, it's going to be a guidebook uh, to, to design for young professionals in going into youth development field. So uh, just some, like we talked about some of the tricks of trades that we've, we've used in the beginning part and uh, hopefully put them together in a nice, easy to flip through uh, book and go from there. So do a lot of consulting myself for uh, a lot of mentoring. So if you're looking for a mentor, please give me a call. Let me know. Um, first one's free. So let's just talk and let's go through and see where you are and where you need to go. And then, uh, yeah, that's about it. So Al, what's your website? I think I have a link to your website on youthdevelopmentpro.com if you look for us, but um, how, what's the best email for people to get a hold of you? Uh, Al Ferreira at johnmaxwellgroup.com. Perfect. There you go. And again, mine's Michael at youthdevelopmentpro.com. And if you can't get Al and you want to send it to me, I'll forward it along and vice versa. So, you know, whatever's easier for you. All right. Well, 
that's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for hanging in us, uh, in with us. We have uh, one more for the end of August 2020, and all the camps are wrapping up. I hope everybody is happy, healthy, and safe. I hope you're preparing for schools. I'm going to do a hard plug. Remember, the decision to run is not the teacher's decision. It's the teachers are doing the best they can. So take it easy on the teachers this, this school year. We uh, want to make sure everybody's healthy and safe and do the right thing and if you need anything from us, you know, just reach out. All right. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day. Bye-bye.